Hello, Minicones followers. It's Ramesh Uni again. Here is my next installment of Minicones, my weekly recap of the podcast version of Minicones by Steve Listina. As you know by now, I like to start with a glimpse into our author's life and personality. Anyone who spent time with Mr. Listina knew that he had a very OCD aspect to the way he lived life. For me, this comes up every year when we recreate the Thanksgiving stuffing recipe handed down to our group of friends. Every ingredient must be prepared to Steve Listina's standards, or it will be not allowed into the final product. I hear this attention to every detail echoed in the way that Ray Grandisha and his colleagues pour over the evidence from the crime scene, every detail examined and categorized, much like I imagine the way Mr. Listina approached the cases that he was involved in during his career. Chapter 11 opens with Albert Moffat watching a television preacher. He is sitting alongside his wife, but not really paying attention to either the preacher or his wife. Richard Sparn shows up and spins a tale about recruiting women for prostitution and forcing his recent date into oral sex. As they are talking, Ricardo Morales also shows up. The scene demonstrates the dynamic between Albert Moffat and the two young men. Eventually, Moffat looks into his files and selects a new target. He selected from a group he had solicited for poker machines. The new target is Zola's Boulevard Tap. Moffat tells of all of the illegal undertakings of this establishment under his protection. He hands the information to Richard Sparn and instructs his henchmen to send a clear message of retribution. Morales clarifies the instructions, and Albert Moffat gives the order for shotguns to be used in the plans for a dramatic carnage. Morales then asks Mr. Moffat to handle his legal situation for him as well. Moffat reassures him that there is nothing to worry about. The chapter ends with an epiphany for Albert Moffat as he finally feels that he understands what the preachers that his wife is so drawn to are actually trying to say to him. In chapter 12, we find Ray Grandisha back at the fine time working on his fifth drink. Grandisha was frustrated by knowing every detail of the crime, but not seeing the motive or understanding the dynamics of the scene. Margie and Joe were sent back to the crime scene to expand their interviews. They encounter two tramps who Crowder decides to bring in as potential suspects. Ray tells Margie that he could be found at the fine time until late. Margie eventually shows up with a split lip. She shares that Joe Crowder did this to her. Grandisha cleans up Margie's lip in the men's room and then applies ice. She shares that after an hour of pointless questioning, she told Crowder to let the tramps go as he began to threaten them with his gun. He then backhanded Margie. She also suffered a shoulder injury, which Grandisha also attends to. Once Margie was okay, she shared a drink with Grandisha. They discussed how things ended with Crowder, and then discussed Margie's most recent marital issues before she finally leaves for home. Chapter 13 opens in Regis Kahane's office. A commotion is going on outside his office during a meeting with another client. Kahane comes out to find Ricardo Morales arguing with Gina, his secretary. After chastising Morales, Kahane returns to his client. In this scene, Morales sits seething as he waits. His anger builds as he stares at Gina, and as he's rising, Kahane finally opens the door and re-enters the room. He directs Morales into his office, where they began to exchange words. Eventually, Kahane shoves Morales and then fires him. As Morales leaves, he yells, Maricon. As Kahane discusses this with Gina, Gina mistakes Maricon for many cones. Chapter 14 brings us back to Ray Grandisha, waking up hungover. He finds himself thinking of Margie and hoping the best for her. 
He gets to work and re-reviews all of the information he has on the case. Again, no leads are discovered. At work, Grandisha and Margie briefly discuss the night previous, but move quickly to her improving home life. Crowner did not come to work, leaving the previous evening's events unresolved. He finally shows up after most of the office has gone home. Grandisha greets Crowner with a right hook. The few remaining staff turn away from the scene. Grandisha demands Crowner's resignation. Crowner signs the letter with a series of anti-Semitic and racist remarks. Eventually, Crowner leaves and Ray goes back to the fine time for dinner with Carol Lombard. He returns then again to the office for a late-night review of the case. Thanks for listening so far, and I hope you enjoy the rest of Many Cones. 